Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Engineer. Despite stops and starts, the Tokyo Olympics kicked off on July 23. India sent its largest ever contingent, 127 athletes, to the games and hopes are high that the medal score will be at least in the double digits. India hasn't performed well at the Olympics overall, winning only 28 medals before Tokyo. One of the reasons for this is that our athletes haven't had the best infrastructure or support from their federations. What does it take to become an Olympian in India and what can India do to become a truly great Olympic nation? All Indians matter. We have on the show Imtiaz Anis, the only Indian rider to complete an equestrian three-day event at the Olympics. This happened in Sydney 2000. Imtiaz was somewhat of a prodigy beginning to ride at age 4 and winning his first title at age 6. He went on to win multiple equestrian events nationally and internationally. Imtiaz is a trainer, competitor, NBC commentator, qualified level 2 instructor and coach educator. Behind Imtiaz's successes are also struggles and setbacks and we'll talk about how he overcame them. Recently, Imtiaz wrote a book, Riding Free, in which he retraces his 20-year equestrian journey. It's his way of giving back to the sport. Today, we will talk about what it takes to become an Olympian in India and how the country can produce more medal winners. Welcome to the show, Imtiaz. Thank you so much, Ashra, for having me. My pleasure. Imtiaz, you started riding at age four. How did you even manage to climb on a horse? I was actually lifted from one uh, with, uh, but uh, I had a uh, person on the ground. I was so light. I think I was only about 20, 20 odd kilos. So they just lift me, lifted me up and put me on that horse. <laughs> so uh, tell us about your initial journey. Uh, how did you start riding? Tell us also about uh, your first win at age six. Was, uh, you know, when I go back, uh, it's hard to, uh, you know, even express those in words because, you know, when you're really little, I was only five years old and I was a very timid boy. I wasn't a very large, strong boy. So to sit on a horse was a great uh, feeling, you know, like a freedom of freedom. It's like, you know, when you're 18 years old and you drive your car for the first time, it's quite exciting. You know, it, it's just amazing. You just feel like I can go anywhere. Not that you go anywhere, but you feel you can go anywhere. So it's the same thing. I had that feeling. Uh, my first competition uh, was it was not about the win or the lose or anything like that. It was just that I was able to do this. You know, I was able to ride. I was able to compete. Uh, to me, that was more of a joy. I didn't really look at whether I was going to win or whether I was going to lose. Uh, the fact that I was actually uh, there was already, uh, I thought I'd won. Yeah. And how did you go from there to the Olympics? Uh, it's, it's, it must have been quite some journey. Uh, well, that's in the book. <laughs> I always tell you're going to read the book. Uh, but it's hard, you know, it's hard to tell the whole uh, story. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a... Uh, Mixture of uh, hardships, sacrifices, failures, uh, amazing support, uh, great family, great mentors, great coaches. So they all come together. You know, it's not just you that we get to the Olympics. You know, lots of stars have to align in order for this to happen. I'm sure. And uh, was it a struggle? Uh, tell us some of the setbacks and problems that you faced. Oh, there were lots of struggles, like anything in life. You know, I mean, whenever you try and achieve something that was it's a bit uh, out of the ordinary, uh, there are going to be setbacks. You know, I was the first, uh, you know, Indian uh, uh, civilian who decided that I'm going to represent India at the Asian Games, you know. And then my first Asian Games, I was only 19 years old and I was dropped the night before the team left, you know. So that was a huge setback for me. Lots of, uh, you know, emotions, you know, should I do this? Should I not do this? And the way you overcome this is with having the, fina- the, the, the parental and friend support, you know, like I still remember my, my father, the first question he asked me when this happened, he says, what do you want? And I and my first answer was, I want to represent India. And he said, get back into the saddle. So there was no other options. If I may have said, I'm not sure, or, you know, you know, I don't know, he may have said, okay, let's just, you know, this was a great uh, run. Let's go on to something else. Right. So let's come to Sydney 2000. 
tell us about your training regimen for sydney uh training regiment it's you know it's it, in our sport it's a little harder huh? because you got a horse involved as well so it's not only training yourself you got to train the horse as well so it's everything is multiplied you know like any other sportsman you can just focus on yourself and the rest of the time you can rest you can um, you can recover we don't have that as an equestrian because we focus on ourselves and the other part we have to focus on our horse so you know we have to look after our own nutrition our own fitness i was cycling i was swimming i was uh, you know uh, all i don't i'm not a very fond i'm not a big runner so i had to do other activities to keep my cardiovascularly fit but at the same time you got to keep the horse cardiovascularly fit as well because our three day event is a very very tough sport on the horse so you got to keep his uh, you know how, you know we measure everything on heart rates aerobic anaerobic there's a lot of management that goes even afterwards so it's a combination of both things together right so uh, you know india's just begun its medal quest at tokyo as we as we uh, record this tell tell us what goes through an athlete at the emotional level what is an athlete experience at the emotional level when they actually represent the country uh, uh well it's a tough one there uh, you got you you're getting me on the, all these questions huh? sure <laughs> well you know for us as an athlete it's a lot of pressure you know for sure you know you got 1 billion people in the back over, over a billion people in the country who are watching you and you know we are all everybody's eyes are on medals all the time but people have forgotten how much sacrifice you made how much what you've gone through and actually making it to this level you know is four years sometimes eight years people have given up just so that they can represent uh, so the mentally it's a lot of stress of them so at the games you have to be focused exactly on your sport you got to forget about the crowd uh, like i tell all the athletes that are at the village uh, in at in tokyo also forget about the pandemic there are lots of restrictions but it's for everybody so just focus on your sport uh, and do your best are you in touch with the athletes in tokyo no we are, unfortunately we are not allowed to be in touch with any but uh, i know not that uh, because of the whole restrictions and things like that and and also at this time it's we shouldn't be to be honest you know they need to be in their zone you know they don't shouldn't be having phone calls coming from so many people. it's after the event you can get in touch and you know the press and the media can do uh, but right now they really need to stay focused on what they what they need to do right intias as we record this uh, mirabai chanu has just won a silver in weightlifting and we may have more medals by the time this episode is published but intias india hasn't done well at the Olymp- olympics overall though we witnessed some absolutely heroic individual and team performances what is the country doing wrong or missing you know i think it's a it's a it's a mixture of a lot of things it's not about being right or being wrong you know firstly it's a sport so it's not like business which i think indians are business minded you know they put 2 plus 2 is 4 it's sport it doesn't work like that there are so many world champions at the olympic stage just miss out on medal because on that day there are nerves there's pressure uh, you know and we don't know who we're competing against so there's a lot of things that go into this when you're an athlete that's what makes it so amazing that's why we call it you know uh, one of uh, the best sporting events in the world because you've got so many nationalities out there so i wouldn't like to really say you know what is india doing wrong things like this can happen you know small slip ups can happen and uh, you know i give an example there was a world champion uh, shooter when i was there at city 2000 who was world number 1 and didn't and didn't get a medal you know just missed out in a shootout so things like this happen uh so it's 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 a bit of a difficult situation to say whether uh, whose fault it is or point fingers you know when it comes to the olympic games actually other than a couple indian sports federations or ruling bodies are seen as hindrances rather than facilitators and so what's the problem there is the prevalence of politicians or the acolytes uh, grabbing the leadership positions the issue or is it something else 
Well, I think it's, you know, to be honest, I think uh, the whole thing has to be like how the world has got, you know, privatized. I personally believe that's what has to happen to sport as well. You know, we've got to get more businesses involved. It has to be run like a business. A sportsman is like, you know, you've got to have, they've got to have the right marketing behind them. They've got to have the right PR behind them. You know, as a nation, we only wake up the one month before the Olympic Games. So we actually know who these athletes are. You know, it, we need to get into their lives. They, we need to tell the story four years before and more companies need to get into this. And, but it has to be managed correctly. Even companies don't want to get in because of that. You know, all the, all the attention is to cricket. That's it. So any other sport, and it's wonderful at these Olympic Games, we have people in different, different sports, just like a question after 20 years. We have fencing, we have sailing. These sports would never get recognition in India. Absolutely. right. Uh, as a sports person, you'd have uh, first-hand experience of the infrastructure we have. It's not world-class, though it's improving by leaps and bounds. How much of a problem is that when it comes to producing Olympic medal winners? You know, people get too, I, I believe it, they get too caught down about infrastructure or, you know, the government is not doing this. It's about an individual as well. You know, today, if you want, like the way I did it, you know, if you want to do it, there's a way to do it. They have infrastructures all over the world. We cannot expect the country to build an infrastructure for each sport that somebody wants to do it because we don't have the numbers in that sport. So, you know, when you look at it, we've got cricket fields everywhere because we've got more cricketers, but we don't have uh, equestrian fields every day because the numbers don't uh, help us. So I won't put too much of the infrastructure. As I said in my previous question, uh, answer, I think it's all to be looked at as a global, uh, you know, as, as one whole and to see how can we help sport. And the way to do it is to get business houses more involved in the sport and tell the story what these athletes are so that they can go overseas, uh, train, they can get exposure. And it's not only just before the Olympic Games. It needs to start at much earlier. Like it actually should start as soon as these games get over, we must be focused on the next one. Impias, what are the five things we should do immediately that will eventually make us a great Olympic nation? <laughs> uh, it's always hard to say, you know, what the five immediate things. I think the first thing that really has to happen is, uh, you know, as the, how do I put it? I mean, I think the main thing that really has to happen is the marketing and the public relations of the sport first. You know, it's a good thing. We need to start at schools. We need to start at college. We need to tell parents that, you know, it's a good thing to put their children into sport. You know, nowadays we just put into sport because that's a tick in the box. Oh, my child plays sport. That's not the way it should be. It should be something that they pick up a sport, that they're serious about it, and they work towards a goal so that there's resilience, there's punctuality, there's discipline, there's determination. You learn so much from sport, you know, uh, comradeship, teamwork. In fact, businesses should it will help you later on in life. So I think that's one of the main focuses that we have to in, cultivate in our culture of actually telling the parents from an early age that get your child involved into sport. And Help and support them, more, more or less. It's not just, oh, go down to the playground and run around because that's not sport. They have to get into a sport where it's, it's, there's, a, there's a coach, there's a mentor, they're pushed, they have to get up every morning. It teaches them a lot more than the actual game itself. Right. What are the other things? So you've already touched upon uh, the business approach. You've talked about the marketing and PR. The marketing, PR, the business approach. And I think then the, uh, the other thing would be uh, international exposure. That's always, you know, uh, one of our biggest key things is that, you know, we don't send our right. Again, we send them too early. You know, I'm too late. Sorry, my fault. You know, it's always just before the Olympic Games. You need to go early. Like just for myself, I went four years before the Olympic Games. So I sacrificed four years, but that's what it takes to be an Olympian. You cannot wake up one year before and say, now, nah, you know, I won all this at national level. So now there's three months left for the Olympics. So now send them abroad to train. 
it's too late. You know, by then people are actually just maintaining their performance, not building on it. It's already, you know, in that in that phase. If when you're building on your performance, building on your muscle, building on your stamina, that's when you got to go overseas because the infrastructure is better as well as the knowledge and the technology. And they've got so much science involved in it right now, you know. So that's where I think is really a, a key factor. So what's your message to aspiring Olympians? My message to aspiring Olympians is first is uh, live your dream. You know, don't not cut. Don't take there. There are no shortcuts. You know, uh, that's one of the main things. You have to uh, go from the ground and start up slowly. You know, finding the right coaches, finding the right mentors, getting the right group together. Even in an individual sport, or whether you do it as an individual sport or a team sport, it's the people around you is very, very important. It's like in business. I come from a little bit of a business background uh, since I did. You know, when I went to my masters, and it always says, "Let your people make you look good." It shouldn't be the other way around, you know. So the same thing. Your support team so should be so good, and it's all angles because you need not only the coaches, you need your mentors, you need your family, you need your friends, you need your parents. Everybody has to be on the same page. So that's what I tell aspiring Olympians all the time: is you know, uh, work. There's there's no short change for work ethic. You know, you have to work hard. Nobody got this on a platter. It didn't just come to them. They have really, and it doesn't matter in what field, actually. It's not only for athletes. Even in, in life today, you know, uh, you just can't sit back and say, you know, I'll, I'll wait for my inheritance. You, you lose it. And you, as you see in, in business, a lot of people have lost their inheritance because they don't have that work culture. It's the culture that we have to incorporate in, in Talcumate in our young today in India that whatever they do, do it to the best. You know, this mentality of, you know, it'll be all right. No, it's we, we can't. It's not going to be all right. So that brings me to the book. Uh, tell us about Riding Free. Why did you decide to write it? One of the main reasons I decided to write it was to inspire the young. You know, to tell them it, through my journeys. You know, so it's a bit of a uh, uh, situation where yes, it is a question related, and it's a little bit you know quite detailed about my my journey. But it's to get the stories out of that. You know, so you have to extract that out and look. You know, I came from a privileged background. I was, you know, went to a, you know, I was from a, a Mumbai boy. I went to one of the top boarding schools. I went to the top colleges. But still, I put myself out there, took myself out of the comfort zone, and I achieved something that I wanted to wanted it really, really badly. That's what it was. I was so passionate about it that I didn't take no for an answer. I mean, I've traveled in trucks, uh, you know, late nights from Delhi to Jaipur to Bihar. You know, in those days, there were no cell phones also. So there was no way to my parents even knew where I was or could contact me or to even check if I was fine. But, you know, it was all on my uh, willpower that I'm going to do it. Whatever happens, I'm going to represent this country. So I want to tell that that's the story that the book is about is to get out, out of your comfort zones. Don't just go into that, into the norm that, you know, or make excuses that I don't have enough money or I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. You'll never have enough money. You'll never have enough time. But you have to go for your dreams. Intias, how long did it take you to write the book? And did you have any help? Also, you must tell us where it is available. Well, you know, as, as I uh, mentioned earlier, Ashraf, I'm quite a busy person. You know, I like try to do a lot of things at the same time. Like even this morning, I got up at five o'clock, I rode my horses, then I taught my uh, students uh, just to make in time for, uh, you know, the talk with you. In fact, my students were in the ring and I was, uh, and they were telling me, don't you have a, uh, an interview? And I said, just one more round, one more round, come on, we can do it one more time, you know, and then I came running uh, to make it uh, in time for you. So that's the kind of person I am, uh, always trying to multitask. Uh, so the pandemic actually helped me in that way because there was nothing I could do. I was sitting at home. So it was a, it was a, it was a wonderful time to actually uh, sit down and put the pe uh, pen to paper and put my thoughts down. Uh, the book was uh, 
so it was started during the pandemic you know and when completed during it as well uh i it was i was helped by my wife uh so you know she i would write because my as you can see my mind works in many directions and i even talk quite fast so it was hard for me to write so when i would when I, a thought came into my mind or these memories came back i was so quick and i would be jotting down these things and obviously jumping from one place to the other so she helped me put it all together and make it a, a, you know chron- chronologically but otherwise the readers would be wondering what 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 is he talking about you know, a bit like when i'm when i'm talking so she did help me which was lovely and we did take about you know i think about 6 months to put this whole thing together so it was pretty fast but i'm quite a workaholic so there was no rest period in fact i would take my college to let's do one more chapter let's do one more chapter you know uh the book is available uh, on every, in every bookstore but it's also available on amazon so uh, you can go on amazon and you can buy it now it's available and i really would love people to buy it for the same simple reason is just to inspire the their children that's it it's the support that parents have to give to their children to be whatever they want to be in their life not what they want them to be but what what the children want you know and that's the whole, the book is about that as well so it's told in different ways so it's it's what you get out of this book right and uh, your wife uh, of course is zinat khan the old colleague of mine in my uh, profession of strategic communication right so uh, intias uh, you were a competitive sports person <laughs> you're a coach now what has yes. that change been like and what's your aim in this avatar well the change has been uh, quite nice actually in many ways because you know in my sport uh, is not determined by the age you know like in any other sport like uh, swimming or in tennis you know by 24 or 27 or even 30 i mean maximum you know your your career is over for in a question it starts at 30 so even now at this age i can still ride i can still jump even like this morning i had a student that could not do something on a horse i could get on immediately and fix it so i'm still associated with the sport with actually doing it rather than being only on the ground and instructing so that's something that i'm very lucky that i am able to do that i'm fit enough to do that i have no uh, health issues and i can, and i love it because i love to ride and i love to train horses and that's what i do so i'm fortunate that that the shift from being a athlete to a coach is not that big you know uh the other part is that you know because it's so much about a mind game i love it to be involved with these young uh, kids who got so many in- their minds are so uh, you know uh, open so it's just they're like a sponge you know just like i was so it was just wonderful we spent a lot of time together not only riding a horse or in the lesson but even afterwards on plans on uh, future on uh, you know guiding them where they need to go so for me it's been a wonderful wonderful change so so yes that brings me to the question i always ask each one of my guests at the end why do you do this work why do, uh, uh the adrenaline it's unbelievable i mean it's so powerful you get up every morning and it's a new day you know i just love it you get up in the morning and you've got horses to ride i mean i'm privileged i'm really fortunate i'm blessed you know how many people have this that they can get up every morning and do what they love to do and make a business out of it you know make a you can uh, you know like one of my mentors said you know and it's an old saying but they always just tell me uh, if you if you you love to to do your work you never have to work a day in your life you know so it's a very it's it is true and that's what i want to tell everybody you know do what you love to do you will make money doing it don't worry about the money factor and be so worried about you know making the next million it's not about making the next million it's about the journey it's about the people you meet it's about the uh, experiences that you've had uh, and that's what makes life you know that's what when you look back when i look back at my life i look like wow somebody asked me this question is there anything that you would change and i look back and say no there's nothing i live my life i live my dream you know and i made it happen yes i had lots of failures yes i had lots of downs yes i had a lot of times where i should have given up but that's life 
Imtiaz, this show deals a lot with politics, societal issues, the economy, and such topics. But sport should be a national priority too, especially in the backdrop of the Olympics. So thank you for this tremendously enlightening conversation. Thank you so much, Ashra, for having me. It's just been wonderful. I really, really uh, appreciate uh, your time. Uh, I just hope people go out there and, uh, you know, buy the book, <laughs> you know. But it's not about selling books. As you know, we I know authors don't make money selling books. It's about telling the story. It's about passing it down generations to their children, to their grandchildren, to tell them what it takes in life to to achieve your dream, to live your dream. You have to get out of the comfort zone. You have to make sacrifices. You, there are going to be hardships. Uh, but at the same time, if you're determined, you're disciplined, you can achieve your goal. Thank you all for listening. Please visit allindiansmatter.in. That's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-M-A-T-T-E-R.in for more columns and audio podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashraf Engineer. That's A-S-H-R-A-F-E-N-G-I-N-W-E-R and All Indians Count. That's A-L-L-L. I-N-D-I-A-N-S-C-O-U-N-T Search for the All Indians Matter page on Facebook. On Instagram, the handle is All Indians Matter. Email me at editor at allindiansmatter.in Catch you again soon. <laughs>